You're listening to Once Podcast, episode 66, Into the Deep. Welcome back to another episode of Once Podcast, the podcast about ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. And I'm Jenny. We are so happy to have you listening to us, and you can check out our website over at oncepodcast.com to connect with us, get our feedback information, and all of that stuff, and I'll mention more of that as we go along. And show notes for this episode and screenshots will be at oncepodcast.com slash 66 in case you'd like to follow along. We have watched this episode, Into the Deep, a couple times now. I've watched it a few times. And we've got some more stuff to talk about. We had our initial reactions on Sunday. Now that we've had some chance to review it a couple times and get some screenshots, get some sound clips, we've got some more in-depth stuff as well as your feedback, listeners, to include in this episode of One's Podcast as we talk about Into the Deep. And it's one more episode before the winter hiatus yeah scary side note before we get serious here i just i have the sudden feeling that adele would have really liked this episode (laughs) i mean it had the deep it had flames and they were really (laughs) rolling in it (laughs) exactly i and there are probably more connections so maybe it was somewhat inspired by Adele. For our listeners who don't know who Adele is, she's a singer who sings Rolling in the Deep. <laughs> she's a singer who sings. That's all you need to know. Yeah. Go YouTube Rolling in the Deep by Adele and you'll understand. <laughs> okay. Did you listen to the song? Now welcome back. <laughs> yeah. So uh, when I first heard the title or saw it, Into the Deep, um, this is one of the episodes I'm finally getting to the point where I don't know much about these episodes we're seeing because I'm trying to avoid spoilers, which is really difficult because of the position of hosting the podcast. But um, this one, I started thinking maybe this is when we're going to see Little Mermaid because it sounded like something <laughs> into the deep, like deep ocean. And there were references to a couple deep things. The deepest part of the deepest ocean uh, for, bottomless yeah the bottom of a bottomless <laughs> yes ocean. That's, that was what he said <laughs> which is ridiculous yeah. and it's very deep how do you get to the bottom <laughs> of a bottomless o- ocean mr owl <laughs> that's what i think <laughs> of I'm about the tootsie pop oh yeah and oh, also owl. deep <laughs> sleep owl. so owl. i think most of this ep- most of this season i mean they are very liberally interpreting these episode titles yes because like tallahassee they never actually went to tallahassee i think they're foreshadowing with their titles a bit yeah i think i think it's like an about like a like a like a really uh indirect definition of the titles because Mm -hmm. lady of the lake there were ladies and there were lakes <laughs> and into the deep snow did go into a deep sleep. So that's where she wanted to go. She's, she wanted to go into the deep sleep. It's true. Some of these, they're just very like hidden. Some of these titles have been a little bit more obscure. Mm-hmm. Except for the first two, we are both and broken. 
Yeah, I would say those yeah. were very obvious. Yeah. But now it's getting yeah more obscure, more cryptic in the Although titles. Yes. Even those could have more to them. More is broken than just the curse. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Which I think could have very interesting implications for those who know the title of the next episode, which I'm not going to say yeah. it because we consider that a spoiler. But if you know the title, you know what I'm talking about. You know what that means that titles I just mentioned. are one of the only light spoilers that I actually like. I like that the, t- that the titles make you think. Especially the season. It forces you to make that connection. Yeah. Because they are all connected like, to the story that they tell. In season one, the episode, The Stranger. Oh, we knew. Oh, yeah, that's about The Stranger. Duh. Mm. <laughs> that's obvious. <laughs> and these other things, it was very obvious from the sound of it. Hat trick sounded like, yeah, that's going to be the Hatter, Mad Hatter episode. Red hand, well, Apple Red is Blood. That's, I mean, Titles were a bit more accurate. This time they're yeah, more cryptic. But uh, looking then at this episode, Into the Deep, this is the first episode that was a bit harder for us to do our traditional <laughs> style of taking notes. Yeah, which I started and then I realized that the dream sequences, if you will, the netherworld scenes, connected the two si- the two groups who are really on the same timeline and part of the same story, but in different locations, it connected them so well that I found I had accidentally mixed up my notes and I had no choice but to just combine (laughs) the entire list and make it chronologically. No separation for me. Yeah, this is uh, the first episode without anything from Enchanted Forest. Yeah. Hmm? Well, besides the post-curse. Besides the pilot. In Broken, there was stuff. I mean, there wasn't Enchanted Forest precursor. Now, when you're saying Enchanted Forest... What many people refer to as flashbacks. Okay. Which we don't call them flashbacks because they're not flashbacks. So that's why we don't call them that. But <laughs> Well, they kind of are. Now that they're you just... have present-day fairytale land, they are actually flashbacks to the history yeah, of the Enchanted Forest or fairytale land. Yes. So the whole thing flows, yeah, very chronologically. So that's the way we're going to try to go through this, is instead of dividing this up, and we'll have some things dividing it up a little bit, and some things we'll be talking a bit more chronologically in the episode. But uh, we'll start out with what happened in present-day fairytale land. I'm sorry if I said Enchanted Forest. Present-day fairytale land. A A few things... Interesting things happened, and we explored some of these in our initial reactions. We now know that Hook stole the protection spell from Korra. Remember when, in the episode Tallahassee, when Hook and Emma went up the beanstalk, we wondered, how did Hook get that spell, the counter spell, for um, the the beanstalk? Mm. Some, we thought, for some reason, I didn't wonder. <laughs> well, we thought maybe, was it... Cora's plan that Emma and Hook would go up for her. But then in this episode, we see that no, Hook stole that from her. Mm -hmm. And based on what Hook does later, that he took a heart, it seems like I'm putting these two things together and wondering if Hook has been learning magic and we're not really realizing that. It's possible. Again, how old is Hook? Yes. Yes. Old? He's pretty darn old. Well, yeah, that's the thing. We don't know yet how time actually flows in Neverland. We just know that he doesn't age in Neverland. Right, but he thought he was going to have plenty of time True. to plot. But it, f- go ahead. Right. Oh, well, uh, yeah. 
Because <laughs> from... not aging is kind of useless if it's only because if it's only relative to another world. Right. When Hook left our world after Rumpelstiltskin cut off his hand, that was about uh, probably 250 years or 240, somewhere around there, in the 200s of years before the curse, because this was before Rumpelstiltskin really took on the whole um, Dark One and being Rumpelstiltskin and all of that, but shortly after Bay's uh, disappearance. So that's 250 years according to Enchanted Forest, but was that 250 years in Neverland? We don't know, but it was, like you're pointing out, Jeremy, it was a long time. I, I'm going to say yes. So far, they aren't giving too many indications that they're going to mess with people's heads by having different time flow rates right. <laughs> in the yeah. different lands. Plus, that would get problematic if they have people travel to these lands. Yeah. I mean, Emma could go to Neverland and... I don't know. So, Hook and... Cor- well, yeah, not Cora, but Hook and Rumpelstiltskin are very similar in that... They've been around for hundreds of years, mm-hmm. but they don't, haven't actually aged. You know what? Hundreds of years. I'm wondering if Cora has aged at all because it doesn't look like it. Well, remember she got her magic just before. Well, we don't you know have that a story point yet. there, Jenny. Yeah, she got her magic before she married um, Henry Senior. Mm-hmm. So we don't know. What did she look like when they married? How old were they? Well, I mean, she's, How long before that did she learn magic from Rumpelstiltskin? She looks the same to me as she did mm. when she was, you know, I trying to get saying. Regina to marry the king. Whereas Regina is supposed to have aged, even though she doesn't look all that different, but that's only because... You can only do well, it's so obvious. much to make someone look 16. It's obvious that they that they made her look younger. So right. it, it did communicate that she has aged. Right. But they haven't done anything different with Cora no, between haven't. the two time frames. Yeah, that's right. my point. Yeah. Yeah. So mm. although she has been pushed through the looking glass to <laughs> somewhere, we assume it's Wonderland. And I think at some point we'll really find out what that was. We yeah. really think it was. And perhaps her. she has magic to make herself look the same. Yeah. yeah. I don't mm-hmm. know. Preservation curse or spells. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Preservation curse. <laughs> so, again, the statement that Cora said that she's crossed too many worlds. I don't have time for your games. I've crossed through too many worlds to be brought short at the brink of success. So what worlds? Again, we got a couple emails in that suggested that maybe she has found ways to jump through different worlds, but can never get to Storybrooke because she could only go from Mm. land with magic to land with magic to land with magic. And if our theory that she is the Queen of Hearts is correct and she's in Wonderland or was in Wonderland, with that rule, who knows how it applies to her? about numbers of people coming and going. Maybe she could only go to other places, although she went there by herself, so I'm not really sure. Maybe Jefferson did make a hat that worked. And this is with the assumption that Cora is the Queen of Hearts. Maybe Jefferson made a hat that worked, and then she used that hat to try to get to different worlds 
eventually got back to Enchanted Forest. Then they have this battle mm-hmm. with Rumpelstiltskin and when Regina says that she saw the body, and we'll cover that more in a moment, and then somehow then got back to a different world or something. So maybe, yeah, maybe she's been traveling around through a hat Jefferson made. Every mm-hmm. time you say the hat that Jefferson made, I think <laughs> of all the hats Jefferson made, and I think, what if Cora got them all to work? And now she has all oh. these portals. Oh, <laughs> that could be. That's a good idea because maybe she needed to just add her magic to it. And each hat goes to just one place instead of like the mega hat that, that goes to every place. Yeah, maybe she just needed a hat maker because she's a crappy hat maker. <laughs> <laughs> so she had all these hats to her disposal. Get it to work. Get it to work. Get it to work. Get it to work. <laughs> wow. Uh, but Hook, so, Hook challenged Cora to kill him. I think it was right? bluffing. I think it was bluffing. Well, do you think Hook has some kind of secret magical power? Because remember, ABC... No, yeah, I know, ABC's marketing department. But ABC marketed Hook as someone worse than Rumpelstiltskin. And that doesn't oh. necessarily mean more magic. Doesn't at all mean more magic. But maybe he does have some kind of magic or power that maybe... he, When he said to Cora something like, well, try to kill me. Mm-hmm. Well, Barbara Hershey is pretty amazing as Cora, in my opinion. And there was this, as he said, are you going to kill me now? They focused on her face and she had what I thought looked like the very slightest hint of worry on her face. Like Hmm. just for a second, like just like a flicker in her confidence. And then he's saying, go ahead, try. And it was almost like they had a mutual understanding that you can't do it. Yeah, that's that could be. And she kind of shrugs it off like, you know, I don't want to or, <laughs> you know, it reminds me a little bit of some characters from Lost that one wanted to kill the other, but was unable to. We never actually saw them try mm-hmm. necessarily, but there was just something preventing one from killing the other. And I'm not going to give that spoiler oh, yeah. away for anyone. Who I, that, actually. I had to disagree. Because she did later try to kill him, or it looked like she was very close to trying to kill him, or oh. very close to ripping his heart out at least, or plunging his own hook in him. True. So, I think she could do it. Maybe. She was taking her time at doing it, Maybe. and she was easily persuaded to not kill him. True. So and maybe it's know, just that she way. knows how powerful he is. Yeah. And she knows it would be a big fight, bigger than we think it would be. I don't know. Or maybe something about his being in Neverland has made him uh, immortal. Not necessarily invincible, but maybe immortal. Hmm. I don't know. It, interesting. It, you know, we could theorize about that for a while, but we're still only on the first scene. Yeah. Um, <laughs> by the way, this episode, I thought this episode got better the more times we watched it. <laughs> I liked it at the beginning. It's kind of a funny. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We're, we're spending so much time on the first scene because it had, it was one of the better scenes in the episode, in my opinion. And also one of the best lines for people who love Hook. Your pretty face buys you a lot, but not my time. <laughs> too valuable now which is too valuable her time or his face oh gosh Many i people think are that out there was pretty obvious pretty oh my goodness <laughs> 
Now, when Cora went back to, she poofed from there and went back to <laughs> the village. Did you notice that is the village, the safe haven? Yeah. And she's like just taking up residence there. She has this traveling box of hearts. I know, which I didn't notice. I saw your screenshot at one point and I, which I'm sure we'll have in our show notes. Mm-hmm. Oncepodcast.com slash 66. Thank you. And I didn't realize until I saw it and saw your caption for it that it was kind of like a big steamer trunk that she had set up and opened mm-hmm. and in it is like a traveling vault. Yeah. So she pulls out one blows on it, which made me think of, it's like a <laughs> breath of life in a sense. <laughs> and as she does now take note, none of these, and I'll have the screenshot in the show notes. None of these boxes are lit up like the boxes were uh, in enchanted forest when snow took Jefferson and doctor, mm-hmm. the doctor down. Um, these aren't lit up, but when she blows on one, it lights up, and then several others light up as well. And start I think it's beating. about eight that light up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seven or eight. Now, yeah. number one, I'm sorry, but the the whole heart thing was a little more magical before they showed it not glowing. <laughs> Looks a little funny. Um, the other thing, though, is maybe the hearts only glow when they're being activated like she did if they are from a dead person. Yeah. That, well, that's why I'm thinking she had to blow on it is mm-hmm. that gave it a temporary life. And then these people, they're not zombies, but they are undead and being controlled by her. And these are all of the village. Oh, wait. Not yeah, all of these, them, but some of them. Oh, yeah. Some of the villagers that she already came and killed yeah. from the safe haven and she's using them then and you can still see they've got like the bloody spots on their chests all <laughs> yeah. of them yeah because apparently she did not want them to survive this process zombies <laughs> which um that was one thing they mentioned kitsis and horowitz mentioned in the official once upon a time podcast at this episode i was still kind of like zombies really i just couldn't get over it zombies. not zombies really? just undead they mentioned the specific distinction which i think we kind of got but they said you may not be able to bring someone back from the dead but that doesn't mean you can't send their you can't reanimate their bodies to go attack somebody like (laughs) puppets yeah yeah and this is consistent with what rumpelstiltskin said about the heart that he said you take the heart and you can even control the person when you have their heart and even from the first time that we saw a heart taken graham's heart it seemed like Regina had, had some control over him a little bit, but she didn't control him. Of course, then later she just killed him by crushing his heart. Right. Well, magic worked differently in Storybrooke. Yeah. So maybe she didn't have control of him in Storybrooke like she did in her palace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Uh, so now it makes sense why the hearts didn't glow because, well, they weren't alive. They they were dead hearts, which is odd that she still collected them. <laughs> She'll collect hearts even if they're not alive. She is, in a sense, the queen of hearts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, that's what I'm thinking anyway. Mm-hmm. So then we jump to Storybrooke. It's somewhere around here. And... Gold and Belle are on their hamburger date, which was, yeah, very cute. And uh, I love what Gold said about the ketchup, the, this world's 
what was it? Greatest magic? Whatever. <laughs> it's condiments. Yeah. I'm wondering what the story between Rubble Stiltskin and Granny is that makes their relationship complicated. Well, and he said that uh, his relationship with most people is complicated. Yes, but we haven't seen the history that he's talking about. Right. Granny's cracking me up, though. She's like turning into this. Well, what she is, I guess, the diner. Rough. In, yeah, but she's also kind of like the, I don't She's just, she's just granny. She's like, but she's like the town granny too. She's, she's like Xeno Warrior Princess granny. <laughs> she's all, didn't take any dark magic to make my burgers. And, and then clearing the restaurant because Regina walks in, which was maybe a little overdramatic, but also not, which is kind of the hilarious thing. Yeah, it's like the old Western, you know, nobody calls me mad dog. <laughs> That's from Back to the Future 3, by the way, in case you're wondering. Is it? I couldn't mm-hmm. remember. Thanks for clarifying. <laughs> but when they uh, decide to... Or actually, I, I skipped the thing of Henry realized mm-hmm. that he was talking to Aurora. So they had that communication and clarified what's going on. And so that's why they Regina decides to go to gold. And this is something that's going to unite them. But... Again, Regina and Rumpel refer to some kind of battle that previously took place. But she was dead. You told me you saw the body. Apparently you taught her well. I can handle Cora. That's not how she tells the story. I won in the end. So when and what was this battle? Yeah, see, there were so many weird things happening in this episode that it was hard to kind of get used to. There were some, that was one of the very important things that was actually mentioned that I feel like was almost buried Mm -hmm. by the rest of the strangeness that was (laughs) being presented. So this sounds like something that, okay, let's go on the assumption that Cora is the Queen of Hearts. So in the episode, Hat Trick was when... Regina went to Wonderland, got Henry Sr., brought him back. So if that if Cora is the Queen of Hearts there, then it seemed like Regina knew that she was alive, mm-hmm. had the assumption that she was alive, all of that. So that is after King Leopold is killed, but that's still maybe a year or six months or so before the curse. Is that all? Uh, because that was... Um, that was the same scene. Yes, I believe that was around the time when Regina was holding the apple, looking through the mirror and saying, seeing snow and saying she's cavorting with dwarves now, so, which was after 7.15 a.m. You know, every time you say that Cora is the queen of hearts, I can't help but think back on that scene where we saw the veiled queen of hearts. And I just really can't see Cora being that woman because like you remember how she like stomped whenever whenever um jefferson said the queen like i can't see her doing that i can't see her pitching a fit because she she wasn't like she wasn't really she was the queen of that realm but she wasn't the queen of any other what realm so i'm just i'm wondering how they're gonna like answer that question for me yeah i can't see her stopping her foot like that (laughs) <laughs> Unless it's just a particular mannerism that didn't quite carry over. Or maybe she's just gotten so upset about her being in Wonderland for so long that she's changed personalities a little bit. But then 
what we see of Korra in present fairy tale land is very consistent with what we've seen in her in Enchanted Forest. So, hmm. yeah, personality probably didn't change. That could be just a, a slight mistake, or maybe it's possible this happened after this supposed battle and. The reason that the Queen of Hearts is behind the veil is because she's been damaged from this battle. Or she's trying to hide the fact that she's still alive. Yeah, could be too. But then Regina acted all familiar with the Queen of Hearts. We are seeing Korra after this point, or after that point, rather. So she couldn't be too permanently disfigured. Yeah. Right. So so it sounds like something that happened in the about a year, the battle, happened about a year within the year before the curse. So something there happened before Rumpelstiltskin was put in prison, um, but after Henry Sr. was brought back. So it's, you know, it's very questionable here on that timeline, and that's going to be difficult to figure out. But I think we'll see that story sometime in the future. So when they, and Jeremy, help, help correct me if I'm getting the timeline of this episode wrong and skipping anything, but... When Henry then is going to go back to sleep a couple hours later, mm-hmm. and then also Aurora is going to go asleep again. Aurora was trying to hide the fact that she's getting burned right. from the fire too. Yeah. And it sounds like from what Rumpelstiltskin described, it sounds like the more you try to embrace the dream, the more it physically affects you. If you try to move away from the dream, it won't burn you, which is why snow was never burned previously. Yeah, maybe. I I thought all that stuff was a little funny. Henry was burned before he knew what was going on in another episode. So That could have been, though, because he's a kid. And maybe his mind wasn't strong enough to resist. Yeah, but regardless, that is what... It is what Gold said, and I kind of hope we're done with the Nether Realm stuff pretty soon because I think it's a little bit, a little bit of a good idea that's being executed kind of oddly. I mean, it's basically two rooms. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we've only seen two rooms. Yeah, I there know. could be like millions. Well, pretty lucky then that Charming ended up right above. Right above, yeah. <laughs> that is pretty lucky. Well. Gold did wish him luck. <laughs> I say this with the utmost sincerity. Good luck. You know, <laughs> I I just, I found a few things funny in this episode. I found it funny that in order to get the poppy, they had to take a bit of a journey. And this was all in the course of one day. And they had to journey to this spot that had poppies in it. Or one poppy, excuse me. One well, poppy. Mulan is very dire and so that was probably mulan speak for i'm tired i don't want to <laughs> she did say it's a bit of a journey more. yeah she said and she said no more poppies in this kingdom so they had to go to a different kingdom or well she said that they, they must have been really close to the border they went to the edge of the woods of the dead oh. which by the way i looked that up and most of the references i found to the woods of the dead are reference to video games like um massively multiplayer online role-playing games well anyway they had to go and get this poppy they had to crush it which probably was just a little bit time consuming as well and snow had to fall asleep that didn't take much time and then she had to stay asleep long enough to speak with someone which we don't know how long that took it wasn't long enough and then they um they had 
they now have to journey back and they have to do everything <laughs> before sundown. Well, actually, yeah, they were all they were planning to do all of this before sundown. So I'm just wondering, is this the longest day ever or what? <laughs> it, <laughs> because they had so much time. It must have been like, I don't know. It must have still been morning or something. Yeah, I think this all started out in. The, yes, in fact, this all did start out in the morning because when a hook came down. About 10 hours later, probably from when Enma came down, it seemed like very, very early morning. And then um, Aurora had the dream at night. It's in the morning when she's explaining uh, to Snow and Mulan and Emma. I just thought it was funny. Like all these things they had to do in one day before sundown. And it just made me laugh. Maybe it was the summer solstice. (laughs) (laughs) But when, when, Gold then explains to Henry and tells the story. And I think, is this the one and only time that we heard the phrase once upon a time used? I think so. (laughs) His storytelling was very interesting. So let me play that clip then with his story. Once upon a time, Snow White and Prince Charming needed to stun a very powerful magician long enough to lock him up in a dark dungeon. That was you. They used Cinderella to trap you with a magic quill. Yes, indeed. A quill. And yet, it wasn't the quill itself, but the ink that captured the Dark One. Harvested from the rarest species of squid from the bottom of a bottomless ocean. Impossible to find unless you're a mermaid. Or me. Ah, but have a private supply. In my jail cell, that is where they will find it. I'm wondering how he got this ink. Because he mentioned a mermaid. Did he get the mermaid to get it for him? Or did he do a favor for the mermaid? Or did he do a favor for the squid? (laughs) I'm just wondering, how did he get this ink? Or is he a mermaid? Or is he a mermaid? He he said only a mermaid (laughs) can get it. Or him. Yeah, I'm just wondering, how would he get that? I mean... He is immortal, so I guess he could go underwater. So he might have gotten it somehow without the help of a mermaid, but maybe he learned about it wow, from a mermaid. Must have but been a long a, swim. What about this revisionist history, anyway? <laughs> we all know for a year now that it was the quill. It was the quill. Yeah, and let me play that clip. I went back to the Price of Gold uh, episode from season one and got the clip when Grumpy explains the quill. Quill, I, I don't understand. The blue fairy cast a spell on it. Whoever signs with this will be frozen. Their magic made impotent. All you must do is get him to sign the contract. That was pretty clear. Yeah, it was. It was the quill, and it was enchanted by the blue fairy. Yeah. And more than once, they had confused looks among the characters, and later, Charming tells Snow, No, no, it was actually the ink, and I don't understand. I don't understand. Yeah, so they're going out of their way to say it's not the quill, it was the ink. And they must have a reason for that. One idea I had is maybe it's a lie and Rumpel wants to get them into his jail cell for some other reason. That could be, and that would actually redeem Mm. this whole thing for me. Yeah, it would. Because if they could have been entirely consistent and just said, oh, go get the quill. Or they could have even said, extract more ink from the quill. The last couple drops would be enough to... Yeah. In prison core. So, and, and the unlikelihood of him having this supply of 
the same ink that somehow imprisoned him with him. Yeah. Plus, it implies, and this is the other thing, and I think I might have mentioned this in our initial reactions podcast. If he knew that he was immune to the quill, but he wanted to be imprisoned because it set his whole plan in motion, then he might have gotten the ink on purpose and made sure that he would be frozen. I was thinking that too. Yeah. So the quill could have been enchanted, but it, he could have been immune. But had to find another way to make them think it worked. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's kind of odd. Now, one other idea, and they're talking about this a little bit in the chat room right now, is maybe the prison cell was, in a sense, coated with the ink. And maybe that's what he meant by he had a supply of it in his jail nah. cell. But he, I think he even referred to a bottle. I would like that even less it. because that would have been done by his captors, in which case we should have heard about it, not some quill. Right. So why, why so much attention on the ink? I don't know. It's, they're drawing our attention there for a reason. I don't think it's just the the convenience of it because if they wanted to be convenient they could have said well find the quill and, yeah it's the yeah. next goal for the people in fairy tale land they have to they have somewhere to go now and something to do yeah so i'm oh. go ahead jenny no you go ahead i'm wondering if maybe the jail cell has something more to it maybe it can be a portal itself or a prison because it's good at being a prison <laughs> It's gonna be <laughs> so maybe there's something completely unrelated. Like maybe there's nothing that can actually imprison Cora, but maybe or, or maybe, maybe he's saying all of this just so that Cora overhears because maybe he assumes that Cora <gasps> is crafty, and so he's telling them, "You got to go to the cell. You got to go to the cell." So Cora will go and she'll find herself locked up in the cell and there would not be any ink in there at all. Yeah. If he just assumes Ooh, be lovely. that Cora's going to get the better of them, whatever they're trying to do. Right. Yeah. He hmm. probably like knows this. how smart Cora is. So he probably knows that she is listening mm-hmm. to their plans. So whatever the case, it seems like the ink has absolutely nothing to do. Well, we're saying that it kind of sounds like the ink has absolutely nothing to do. With I this. would like that. I would like that a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'm wondering what was gold doing to Henry because I heard magical sounds. Was he helping him go to sleep, or was he oh, helping yeah. him to remember yeah. the story? Helping him get to sleep. He was, but then he was talking to him he after he was asleep, and he was. Henry yeah, it's was like, getting wait a the... minute, you're putting him to sleep when you're still telling the story. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that story, Henry knew the story, and Henry knew Rumpelstiltskin was a part of it because of the book. So this may be our first con confirmation that Rumpelstiltskin is actually in the book. Yeah. Oh. Well, on later reflection, after all those discussions we had, I realized that Rumpelstiltskin was an integral part of at least the first couple of episodes and the enacting of the curse and that whole thing. So he would have had to be in the book or yeah. the story wouldn't have made sense. Maybe Rumpelstiltskin's, you know, whole story isn't in the book. But this part was definitely part of Cinderella's story, and we know that her story was in the book. Mm-hmm. So we had once theorized that maybe Rumpel wrote the book and left himself out of it. Right. But now it's, it's he's definitely in there in the Cinderella part. Maybe he's in there in other parts. We don't know how much of Rumpelstiltskin's story is in the book, but we might find out someday. Later in that scene, when Charmy is about to go, um, undergo... 
the sleeping curse. And he's, he's like getting it explained to him. I'm wondering if Regina really knew what would happen to him. Like if he would, that he wouldn't wake up on his own or wake up that the kiss inside the sleep dream wouldn't work because she looked and she, like, it just seemed like she knew, but at the same time, it seemed like she didn't know. Yeah. There are a lot of things there with Regina to consider and, and we'll get more in depth with that uh, in a few minutes, but did she know this would happen? Did, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think she had ulterior motives in this. I'm not sure. I mean, she's either, she's putting on a really good cover or mm. I don't know what to think. I don't know. I think she knew it was riskier than they were letting Henry know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But I'm just wondering what the yeah. looks were like, because whenever, whenever uh, David was saying, I'll just get snow to, snow to kiss me and that'll, that'll wake me up. It panned over to Regina and she had this look on her face. But then whenever David was asleep and Henry was like, he's got to wake up. He's got to wake up. What's wrong? Why isn't he waking up? She said, they're probably just catching up. And then she looked at Mm -hmm. gold and he shook his head like, like she didn't know that he wouldn't wake up. I don't know. I don't know what to think. Well, I want to back up to uh, one more thing about the ink and the quill. Interesting reference that could be more direct or more indirectly to the little mermaid. This email came in from Stacy. She said, Hi, everyone. Just thought I'd mention that Ursula also gets Ariel to sign a contract with a quill. Well, kind of a fish skeleton thing in Disney's <laughs> Little Mermaid. I think this supports the theory that the squid the ink comes from may be referring to Ursula. So gross. I'm wondering if you guys think there might be something there. Thanks for the awesome podcast. You guys help me to get through the entire week. I have to wait between episodes. From <laughs> Stacy. I always thought she was an octopus. Um, I guess it could yeah. be a squid. I mean, th- they could interpret they both have this. They could say that, well, she was a squid instead of an octopus. Do octopus, do octopi, whatever you say, do they ink as well? <laughs> um, I, I don't, I don't know about that, but squids typically have two much longer tentacles. It's squid. Yeah. I don't want this whole idea <laughs> of a half human, half squid who produces this ink. I don't want to see them bring that idea to life. <laughs> I do. I yeah. think that would be awesome. Gross. They could, well, yeah, maybe not <laughs> um, half human, but there might be uh, some menacing, extremely rare, evil squid, and they call it Ursula. Mm, that, that could be, be. That could be a way that they do it. Could be. be a sea witch. <laughs> well, Rumpelstiltskin was called a crocodile, so they could just... Do something a little more realistic than mm. a half squid half person. Well, kind and of thing. from the beginning, Eduardo Castro designed Rumpelstiltskin's costume so that it would look crocodilian. Crocodilian from, from the beginning, really? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's in um, the official video podcast. One of the recent episodes, or it might be still the most recent episode at this point, because of that role, or just um, because no. he liked the crocodile idea. He thought it looked really cool on him he thought it would look kind of menacing and evil and give him a slightly <laughs> reptile look especially with the way that they were planning to color his face and everything so check that out in the official video podcast and um and noni in the chat room is correcting us saying or letting us know that edward kitsis and horowitz had said that they had uh 
year long plan for the show. And so they, they figured where this was going. Mm. Um, so let's go back to, so we covered some of Storybrooke now. Let's go back then chronologically to what was happening about that same time in present day fairy tale land. So the, uh, the, these undead people start coming and mm. attacking. And this is when Mulan's loyalty is coming about uh, out a bit more that she's there to protect Aurora. And Mulan even said several times referred or a couple times that she swore or vowed to Prince Philip to protect Aurora. In this, as Aurora got ripped out of the netherworld and she wakes up and they were being attacked. Did anybody else not realize who was attacking them? Was it just me or was it very easy to forget that the sort of zombie like people were even out there? I it didn't dawn on me until Emma said any idea how to kill these people or whatever she oh. said. And then I went, "Oh yeah, them." And that was it. They well, had two scenes. They're waking up yeah. and their battle and then that was it. It was weird. <laughs> they they did have bloody spots on their chests. Yeah, um, I didn't notice that. Just like the villagers. They were being wounded by the women. And they, <laughs> yeah. And they were acting kind of odd. Uh, well, not too much, but they were walking like zombies. Yeah, a couple times I guess. when you could see them walking. In the background, there were some that definitely looked like they were walking like zombies, but the ones in the foreground that were actually fighting weren't really fighting like zombies, just like stumbling over people, mm-hmm. but they were actually fighting. Right. Yeah. And, so it was funny to me. And man, Snow with a bow is <laughs> really good. Yeah, she was. But uh, when Emma said any idea how to kill these guys i was thinking cut off their heads that's how you kill a zombie maybe that's how you kill them and that's what mulan did is that what she did yeah she caught her i thought she just stabbed it no it's um when the one undead person got mulan on the ground then there she did some quick motion with her sword and it doesn't really look like his head was cut off there but then when they show the body next after that it's a headless body oh Oh, i see with blood leaking out of where the head How used to can be. blood That's be leaking out? Because there's no pulse. Mm. Hmm. It was just dripping out, not like splurting <laughs> oh. out. <laughs> it's like a cup. You just turn a cup and if oh. it has stuff in it, it spills out. I got it. You can tell oh, I don't kill many undead people. Yeah. Kill or dead people. people. <laughs> you, you kill dead people. I killed dead people. Wait, you, the only one you didn't say was live people. I don't kill anybody. Oh, okay. Cool. I kill bugs. <laughs> That's all. So when Aurora gets captured, even though she's trying to run away, she gets captured and brought back. She gets put back in that pit of prison. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And with all the dead bodies still lying around, it's funny that just Cora leaves all of them there and she's taken over this place. Yeah. I, I, I and, don't know if funny is the right word, but yeah. There's a there's a door in that dungeon. I know. Why did they lower a rope? Like, why why did they the... just use the door? Exactly. It's like That's they wanted stupid. to use the pit and then they were like, well. It has a door, but. It's kind of cumbersome, so let's just put in a door. <laughs> well, they used the door when Emma and Snow were first put in there. They? Oh, right. Yeah, they dragged Snow oh, in. Right. I guess the. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I guess the hole on the top is good for light and keeping an eye on them and dropping food in. Yeah. And dropping down ropes and having them climb up. Yes. 
So Aurora <laughs> gets captured and faces Cora. And Aurora is getting really gutsy. She's brave. I finally liked Aurora. Yeah, she really stands up in this, stood up to Cora and refused to uh, be bought. Cora was in nearly full manipulation mode and it wasn't working. So then there was this moment when Aurora kicks over her food tray and Cora loses it. And I'm going, (laughs) was it the food that I'm sure you can conjure? Was it that it spilled on your dress, which I'm sure you can clean? Or was it the fact that it was the surest sign that your manipulation is not working? (laughs) And what what she brought in did not look like stew. (laughs) It looked like tuna fish in the shape of a ball in the bowl. It's chimera. It was a mermaid. (laughs) She cooked that. I only got a brief glimpse, but it looked like tuna fish in the shape of a ball. And and the chat room is going crazy saying this one word that uh, that Cora called Aurora a couple times. Plucky. Yeah. Which uh, one of our listeners wrote in. I don't have the email here, but is maybe a potential reference to another story uh, of something completely crazy but it could be a slight (laughs) connection here it was from a movie uh, by hayo miyazaki uh, films and the movie's called howl's moving castle and this came in from uh, sean said this said howl's moving castle which is actually based on a piece of literature maybe it's a minute detail but i couldn't help notice use cora's use of the word plucky when speaking to aurora it was very similar to how the Witch of the Waste addressed Sophie, the story's protagonist, with the same use of the word. On top of it, the witch seeks to take Howell's heart, both physically and metaphorically. So like Cora, she has an obsession with hearts. It's a small similarity, but I thought it would be interesting to mention. The film is dubbed and released by Disney. So it is entirely possible that this theory could hold true. Oh yeah, I don't think that's a stretch at all. I mean, they're pulling all kinds of references mm-hmm. on all of these stories, even you know, Rolling Stones references and all of that into their stories. So I, mean, I, I can be see surprised. them seeing this film and going, plucky, we have to get Cora to say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then Cora said this thing about the wraith. And here's the clip. What if I told you that when a wraith consumes a soul, it merely travels to another realm, but that soul can be brought back to this world? And what if I told you that there's cake in the other hut and it's not a lie? So I'm thinking she's not telling the truth. It's not another world, another realm, because that's, I don't want to see them start it's the introducing, realm of a necklace. Yeah. I don't want to see them introducing all this stuff like parallel world. Well, you know, you do make a good point, Jenny. Realm of the necklace, not necessarily another. I was joking. Well, I know, I know you were. The necklace but... isn't that big. <laughs> it's just it's bigger a on the inside. Well, ever... on, like the lamb. <laughs> Ever since the pilot episode broken, we've believed that Prince Philip is still alive. His soul is just captured in the wraith, um, and along with other souls. So, in a sense, it is another realm, but it's not another realm like Wonderland and Neverland and our land and all of this. 
but it's a realm where just the soul goes, very similar to the dream thing. Well, the souls can be very far from the wraith because you can hear the souls right. coming mm. from the wraith. Trying to escape. I think that's the, ones, the description. No, no, it's the ones who stopped trying to escape that okay. are screaming. Yeah. But regardless of the mechanics, I think, I think it was a false offer to help, but a real truth that they're not gone forever. Right. Yeah, another realm sounds too reachable, but this does, I think, plant the seed in Aurora's mind that Prince Philip can be brought back. Yeah. So that will probably set Aurora on a tail to go find Philip or try and bring back his soul. But it seemed like Aurora was genuinely disappointed that she probably wouldn't get to start a new life over in Storybrooke. Which is strange. I think Cora was just trying to provoke her. I don't think I don't think she actually intended to. I don't think she'd actually planned to go with them. Well, that reaction from Aurora seemed genuine. It seemed like she was she was offended because Cora was mm-hmm. was telling her that that she was accusing her of forgetting Philip so quickly. Right, and I think that provoked that response from aurora i don't mm. think it was that she was like oh you caught me i wanted to go to story <laughs> i wonder if the sleeping curse might help aurora out in journeying to this world where just souls go and to find philip mm. i don't know Meh. well maybe she could go through the hole in the ceiling that <laughs> david just created <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> did you notice cora wore a little locket uh, or some kind of thing. Is it, it a heart locket? No, it's not in the shape of a heart. It's just uh, oval. But I did wonder... That's is the there, shape of her heart. <laughs> is there something in an it? oval? <laughs> Maybe there's some kind of magic, some kind of potion, some... <laughs> another realm. <laughs> Whatever. Um, realm in her necklace. <laughs> but, uh, and I'll have a screenshot in the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 66. Maybe it's just pictures. <laughs> Could be. Or... <laughs> It could just be a necklace. Picture one of Henry and one of and one of Regina Henry Henry Senior. They're probably just both pictures of herself. Let's be honest. I love me. I'm going to carry myself around in my locket. Since when has she cared about anyone's happiness but her own? That's true. So now we come to the part where Snow is going to go under from the power of the poppies. And the poppy, by the way, that one poppy... Power of the poppies! That one poppy glowed a bit in the um, on the ground, and they found just that one. I think it was just bright red. I think it was just bright red, really. No, it was definitely glowing. You think? Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't just bright red, but they had this little glow They'll have to get a screenshot. Yeah, I'll have a screenshot in the show notes. Because I'm not convinced. (laughs) But... uh, when when they find it and then that's when snow goes into this deep sleep looking for henry well first there was a gigantic crow yeah, should yeah, oh, yeah. get an honorable mention because <laughs> that was a gigantic crow i was suddenly surprised that snow speaks bird yes which i knew but it's weirder when she's got a pixie cut and a pink cardigan yeah it is <laughs> and she's speaking to a crow <laughs> you're so right jerry <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, it's Snow White. Uh-huh. <laughs> Although she wasn't speaking to it, she well, was listening she to didn't it. Understand, and the animals help her, and they love her. Yes, I wish some squirrels had come too. <laughs> Timmy fell down the well. Oh, <laughs> you mean Aurora's going to be oh, killed? Goodness. 
I think uh, this was one of those moments in this episode that some of us had a little bit of trouble with because Snow was all of a sudden like, you know, I'm no expert, but I'm pretty sure that if I go into a deep enough sleep, I can get back to that realm. And I'm pretty sure I know how to get into that deep of a sleep. And I'm sure that Henry will be there. And she made a lot of leaps and went for it. Maybe that was her faith, which Mm -hmm. was a big theme of this episode. Which it was crazy that that on the other side of whatever, Charming was thinking the same thing. Snow will be there. Yeah. Yeah. And Chris called in a voicemail to say something similar in an overall feeling that he felt about this episode. Hey, Once Podcast, as well as listeners, this is Chris from New York. It was an okay episode. I mean, definitely some really, really great themes. And I love how, uh, you know, we're definitely getting the impression that we're heading towards something really big. And that I really like. But I just have a couple of issues with the episode. A lot of it just seemed very forced and contrived, almost like the writers just couldn't think of a way to make this story work so that they, you know, forced lines in and forced scenes. And that's just how I felt. But that's just my opinion, and it's a pretty good episode, and uh, thanks for the podcast. You do a great job. And one of those things that Chris had an issue with was this thing of David knew that Snow would be there, and Snow... Well, Snow didn't know David would be there, but Mm -hmm. yeah, Snow's suddenly there. Yeah, which I... You know, I guess I kind of forgot that they always have that we'll always find each other thing that leads them to do very strange things and somehow they find each other. And Regina mentioned that, but it still, some of it still seemed like a stretch, mm-hmm. especially since they were going to have such a narrow window. Yeah. And that they, they timed this perfectly together. Mm-hmm. So yeah, a little bit of a stretch, but I'm kind of okay with it because they they're are... both desperate trying to do this and also apparently destined to be together this scene was the most tear-provoking one for me because mm. like it was just sad yeah it was easily the best scene of the show when they were together yeah, yeah. here let me create some tears for you guys <laughs> <laughs> i'm waking up it's okay You'll get back, and then you'll wake me as I woke you. You will always find me, and I will always find you. Yes. Will we always lose each other, too? Is that our fate? No. I refuse to believe that. You need to have faith in us. I'm waking up. It's okay. You can do this. I love you. I love you. So sad. And wow, Mark Isham, by the way, did a great mm-hmm. job with the music. They're combining the nightmare music that dun 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 dun, dun <laughs> with the Prince Good Charming. Job. <laughs> That's exactly how they record it. <laughs> with the Prince Charming and Emma or Prince Charming and Snow's true love theme um, combined both of those together mm, really yeah. beautiful music there by mark isham i can't wait for the season two soundtrack to be mm-hmm. available we would and i should point out that though they made a lot of assumptions and it was odd that they came to be 
there was at least one that they made that didn't work out, which was that somehow they could kiss in the netherworld and that would somehow wake him up Mm -hmm. and break his curse. And they assumed that, or he did, and that did not happen. Soul kiss. Soul kiss (laughs) is apparently impossible. Yeah. That surprised me, but it makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. So, I'm wondering how he's going to get out of that flamey room. Well. Because it came in through the ceiling and there's I like think he's stuck there. curtains yeah. and flames. So he's going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. He's going to get hurt until she gets back. And regardless of whether that potion or what that little locket that Mr. Gold gave to Henry for mm-hmm. Henry to be able to control the dreams... When David had that, it did seem to be a bit magical in his dream. So maybe it wasn't just a placebo. That's true. Yeah, it showed him how to get to the room. They said in the official podcast that it couldn't be used to control the flames once it had cracked. Yeah, and we saw that, that we missed that the first time Mm -hmm. watching it. But then the second time when David fell through into the fiery room, mm -hmm. the camera looks over very deliberately and... The locket is yeah. cracked, and I knew it had broken it's there. Broken. Yeah. What? What? Unless I misunderstood them, what they seemed to say was that it was cracking, and that's why Henry was less able to control the flames, which I saw no indication of hmm. in the episode. But I think that's what they said. That could make sense. Like maybe using it too much causes it. Yeah, to crack. the use of it was wearing it down, is what they said, which I like as an explanation. <laughs> but I didn't see any evidence of that when I watched it. But in Storybrook, then, when the camera goes back to showing David still asleep, it focuses on the locket, and it's also broken in Storybrook. Right, which wouldn't you be kind of worried if you were sitting there waiting for him to wake up and the locket breaks? (laughs) And they're like, "Um, oh dear. I'm sure he's fine. Uh, (laughs) It's, Mm -hmm. you know, one of those things. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, so he is completely asleep. And before this, though, Regina did give Henry some kind of reassurance. And if there's one thing I know about your grandparents, they always find each other. With the hint of, I used to be bitter about this. <laughs> I'm really working on that. <laughs> Along yeah. with not using magic, I'm working on my bitterness and my anger. I'm just wondering if she's going to be able to keep that up. The only using magic for good thing. And afterwards, after this, not doing it again. I don't I, think she'll be able to. I think she is genuinely trying. And this is this episode is setting up another conflict that mm-hmm. because Emma and Snow were trying to figure out the blame game, which <laughs> I believe is what happened after this in present day fairy tale land. Um, yeah, because Emma and Snow were alone as they were arguing. Um, or maybe slightly before. It was, but, it was before yeah, I went to sleep, yeah, but you're right. that's before. kind of irrelevant. It's, they were saying, no, it's Regina. She's really well, the one we should blame. Emma said that. Yeah. yeah. But Snow kind of agreed with that. You think? Emma's not working on her bitterness and anger <laughs> <No>. issues. <laughs> she gets healed here and there a little bit, but she's still kind of raw. <laughs> so Emma and Snow are going to make it back to Storybrook, ready to take down Regina, saying that Regina caused all of this, but they're going to then see that Regina is trying to make things right or try to do right after this and they've got this weird thing being set up where regina is sort of bickering i guess with gold over whether he or cora is more powerful 
Yeah. And she's almost oddly smug about it, which is strange. And I don't know if that's a mother-daughter thing or just a I-saw-what-happened thing, which is interesting. There's this whole thing with people we know, but a story that we still didn't even guess was there fully. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe maybe this is talking about the past, the story with the with Cora as the Miller's daughter that we've been waiting for. Maybe that's where some of this happened but apparently some of it happened much later yeah and because we we didn't really know what happened to cora we've speculated and wondered but there was no debate over whether cora's coming to storybrook would be bad for regina gold kind of what didn't he he tried to pretend he wasn't that worried or he or he's He's confident, but Regina doesn't think he should be so confident. So if she makes it to Storybrooke, and I think it'd be a little weird if she didn't, mm-hmm. what is what effect is that going to have? How does Regina go up against Korra without turning to magic? And if she turns to magic, what does that do? Yeah. Well, and Rumpelstiltskin does have the weakness. Remember, Regina reminded him of that in the very beginning of the episode. Right. That oh, now yeah. he has someone he cares about. Right. Belle. Mm. that makes him just a little bit weaker mm-hmm. or it gives him a weakness yeah maybe. it does it gives him a weakness because a weakness. before he's never told anyone that About he was Bay. after his son yep. except he's told bell cora regina none of them know that he had a son and that's what all of this is about bell knows that but now everyone knows he likes bell cora may know maybe somewhere Maybe, From but the then past. again, why wasn't that a weakness for him back then? If well, she because Bay was gone. Yeah. She couldn't do anything to him. True, true. So then going back to present-day fairy tale land, after Snow wakes up and then they, they run after Mulan to try and find the compass, while that's happening is the same thing when Aurora was knocked out and we... I think it's only logical to assume while she's knocked out is when Hook took her heart. Yeah, I can admire mm-hmm. Aurora. I mean, not Aurora. I can I can admire Milan. I mean, she, I've just been annoyed at her for running off like that. But I can kind of admire her for keeping to her mission. But it's also kind of disgusting because it's she, she worded it really weird. She said, I'm keeping to this mission because it's the only thing left of Philip. Yeah. It's like, wait a minute. That sounds kind of crushy. Earlier, she did say <laughs> she vowed to Philip. Yeah. But then, yeah, this time she referred to that. Yeah. yeah. In so that weird way. says it's honor. She was in love. And also, she's kind of a dirty, rotten betrayer <laughs> who sneaks. Sneaks? She sneaks. Emma falls asleep, holding her mother's hand in her time of danger well she's not she's, she steals the compass they've she's been after. not attached to them at all well no but honor would seem to i, I mean she's got priorities it. no she's got priorities <laughs> cora a cora whoa snow <laughs> and emma would not well i was gonna say they wouldn't do the same thing but i don't know they were Snow was going to put an arrow through Mulan's neck, so... Yeah, (laughs) she totally was. Like her muscles were activating. (laughs) (laughs) And I wasn't as sorry as I probably should have been. Well, she she has a husband to get back to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's very fresh on her mind. 
And she knows that, that Emma, her daughter, has a son to get back to. And they are just fighting. And Mulan was getting in the way. So I could see why she would do that. Her wife, mother instincts were just kicking in yeah. full blast. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Well, a lot of people are going to get hurt, too, if Cora manages to get her way. So backing up just a little bit, Hook talking to Aurora said, explained why he was helping Aurora. And he actually said, because it hurts Cora and it helps him. You know what I think? What? I think he's playing both sides of the fence. Oh, yeah. I think he's on Team Hook. I don't think he's on Team Cora, <laughs> and I don't think he's on Team Emma either. He's just on Team Hook. Yeah, but I think that he feels safer maybe with Emma than with Cora, or he, I, I don't know, it's a bit hard to see where his allegiance is, but it's definitely for himself, because then we see it seems like he turns is back on Emma and all of them by giving Aurora that by giving Cora the heart. So, so I wonder at what point did Hook originally plan to give Cora the heart, or did he figure this would happen immediately? Well, I wondered even when Aurora left the dungeon cell, whatever. He just kind of turned around and sauntered to the back of it like he was just going to sit there. I was like, shouldn't you be getting away from Cora if yeah, you're telling true. the truth? True. So he, he is playing both sides. He's being a double agent, working for himself, though. Yeah. But when Aurora is talking then to Emma and Snow and explaining all of this, and it's really Cora talking through Aurora, Emma looks That's slightly... Confusing. Yeah, Emma looks slightly surprised by what she's saying, but Snow looks kind of skeptical. Hmm. And I'm hoping that one of them figures out that this is all Cora, and maybe maybe there was some code between them ahead of time or something, or maybe there's something since Snow has been very... Uh, intelligent in this before that she caught Cora mm-hmm. before on a slip. Maybe Snow is detecting something like that again, and so she's going to point out, "I don't think this is really Aurora," or "I don't think we should do this." Or, but they did tell Aurora we're going to go to Rumpelstiltskin's jail cell. So now Cora knows that. Cora, but it, it wasn't Snow that said that; it was Emma. Right. So if Snow detected any sort of weirdness, like any Cora vibes coming through Aurora, <laughs> then she wasn't the one who told. Mm-hmm. So Cora maybe will beat them there. Maybe we should call her Cororora. Cororora. As long as she's Cor-ora. under the influence. <laughs> I like that, yeah. <laughs> if all Cora had to do was to talk into Aurora's heart to get her to say whatever she wanted... <laughs> then what if Emma Snow and Mulan could have overheard her conversation with Hook about <laughs> controlling Aurora with her own extracted heart? <laughs> I mean, like, you remember, you remember when she was talking to Hook and saying, well played, Hook? You know, what if, what if Mulan, what if Aurora was over there saying, well played, Hook? Aurora's just babbling all these things, <laughs> yeah, and like, wow. Talking to herself. Wow. That'd be hilarious. 
Wow. <laughs> or, if, or if they get Aurora's heart back before they, you know, find a way to put it back in, they could take turns talking into it and watching her say stuff. <laughs> oh, my. Okay. We have <laughs> here. I just had that thought the second time that I watched it. Uh, anything else that stood out to you guys about this episode, Into the Deep? Well, the sleeping curse is starting to seem slightly like no big deal, except for that temporary after effect of going to the netherworld when you sleep. You know, no big deal. Because true love's kiss can wake you up, and that can be like family. It doesn't even have to be romantic. But then I'm watching Regina handle the needle, and I'm thinking... Wow, she has to be really careful. If she pricks herself with that, nobody can wake her up. Mm. Not right now. Not oh, at this yeah. point. Huh. Which is really sad. Yeah. Even though it's Regina. Oh, it's but, really sad. By the way, that needle thing reminded me that Rumpelstiltskin called the apple an innovation. I said yeah. before the innovation of the apple. I, I think I said on Sunday that whole thing. Let's find a way to jam a sleeping beauty call out into this scene that's how that felt well it, yeah it wasn't amazing to me but. and and he said it had to be delivered through blood initially i thought he said true blood oh and uh some of the other podcasters did too but he said through blood i can see refining the curse to make it able to be applied to an apple I wouldn't call the apple the innovation in that case. And I also don't understand why they couldn't just stick the finger with any needle. Why did it have to be... A spindle. Yeah, and why did it have to be on an active spinning wheel? It was kind of odd. I just thought yeah, it, was it was strange. It was kind of odd. Maybe why did it have to be spinning? Did it have to be spinning? <laughs> yeah, he, he stopped it when David asked a question. I know, and then but started back up. Was that just, you know, for for dramatic... It's probably whatever. part of making the magic occur. Oh, it just seemed really, you know, cheesy. Yeah, yeah. a little bit. <laughs> As Galloway says in the chat room, it's magic, not science. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't make sense, that's for sure. Speaking of the chat room, we do these podcasts live. We have our full discussion on Wednesdays at 8.30 Eastern Time. Uh, that's PM, by the way. Eastern Time, GMT minus five while we're in standard time. And then on Sundays, we have a live chat room during the Eastern and Central airing of the episode, and then stick around 15 minutes after the episode airs, and we do our live initial reactions podcast. And we're really grateful for everyone who joined us in the chat room for this episode and uh, has been chatting it up and helping us get some of our facts straight and talking with each other and sharing their theories. And it's really awesome. And we really encourage you to be part of the community. Go over to the forums at oncepodcast.com slash forums and you can chat there and share a bunch of theories and ideas and comment on other theories and uh, connect with other people who really love this tv show once upon a time and i want to thank a few specific people who have sponsored this episode of once podcast sandra Benitas and Benita still sponsored this episode of once podcast and we really appreciate your support because without it uh, we really wouldn't be able to do the podcast. So uh, we really appreciate your support. And if anyone else would like to sponsor an episode of Once Podcast, then you can go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. I'll thank some more people in just a moment. But was there anything else to say about this episode? You know, I'm I'm noticing a trend from episode to episode that I'm really, really enjoying. They answer a bunch of questions, but then they <laughs> ask a bunch more and I love that. It's like they keep us wanting 
Like they're just they they satisfy us, but then they keep us wanting. And I think that's awesome. So props to the writers. Yeah, Kitsis and Horowitz and the other writers are doing a fantastic job with yeah. Once Upon a Time. We really love it. I I really get into the show, as you can tell with how many times I watch it. And Three, four. Yeah, at least. <laughs> Each episode. Yeah, and I'll be probably rewatching all of them over the winter hiatus. Keep in mind that this Sunday's episode on December 2nd will be the, or did I get that right? Is it the second? But anyway, this first Sunday of December will be the uh, last episode of 2012. Don't worry. Once Upon a Time will come back in January. And we do have the first two episode titles. So you can check out the blog over at oncepodcast.com to see what those episode titles are, if you don't mind a few spoilers. Minor spoilers, by the way, and just uh, conjecture on what those could be. (laughs) And I want to thank several people who have done some awesome things for us uh, as community members. First, I want to thank the people over at Greetings from Storybrooke podcast. In each episode of their podcast that they release, uh, it's uh, Bill and uh, I can't remember the the lady's uh, name, but um, over there at greetingsfromstorybrook.com, they've been really kind in encouraging their listeners to vote for us in the podcast awards, and we really appreciate the support from them and from you in voting for us, nominating us, getting us into the finalist position in the awards, and then voting for us in the awards over there at podcastawards.com. We don't know yet who won. We'll find out in January in Las Vegas, probably around the same time that um, Once Upon a Time will return. But big thanks to Bill and Anne, Anne-Marie, that's her name, uh, from Greetings from Storybrooke for uh, helping promote that to their audience as well. And also I want to thank uh, Sahar 1125, someone with a bunch of musical notes as their username. And then, <laughs> <laughs> bunch of musical notes. Yeah, and I've got that in my notes, bunch of musical well, notes. Why don't you learn to sing it and then every time you see the name. <laughs> it's more like a rhythm that's just... Oh, I see. And also Ring426 for leaving reviews for us in iTunes. If you'd like to review us in iTunes, you can go to oncepodcast.com slash iTunes. And that's how you can subscribe to us in iTunes as well if you're not already subscribed. That works on iOS devices too. It will launch the podcast app if you have that installed. And you can subscribe to us in pretty much any podcast app that's out there. And go to the website oncepodcast.com to subscribe in other ways too. So remember to watch for our upcoming initial reactions episode of the next episode of Once Upon a Time, and I'll have some spoilers about that after our musical break at the end of this episode. So if you want to hear those spoilers, you can listen to the full length of this podcast episode or pause it after the music and you won't hear those spoilers. I'll give one more warning before I play those. And also remember, we're going to open up the costume contest voting on December 1st and let that voting last for about a week. It's not going to be a daily vote. You just go vote once, but we'll see who has the best once upon a time costume and very, very important. Go to the people's choice awards and vote for once upon a time in several categories. It's under the best TV fan following under best TV drama under best TV drama actress and it's under best sci-fi fantasy. So under those four places, vote for 
Once Upon a Time in those different places and help Once Upon a Time in the People's Choice Awards. And don't just vote once a day. Pick, take a whole day and just keep voting and voting and voting because they've set their system up that way that you can vote unlimited times in a day. So you can have voting parties and people can come over to your house and everyone vote together. So go over there to the People's Choice Awards and I'll have a link in the show notes where you can vote for them and support Once Upon a Time in those awards. And hopefully we can get an award for Once Upon a Time this year. That would be absolutely awesome. One little piece of feedback I want to include uh, asks an interesting question from Hannah. Uh, this last piece of feedback I'll include says, Hey guys, love the podcast. I just wanted to send in a thought I had about tonight's episode. First of all, there was some interesting stuff going on in this episode involving Henry and magic. He seemed a little too fascinated with the whole process. For example, when he was looking at his arm after Rumpel healed it, and when he was asking Regina all those questions as she was making the sleeping curse. It makes me think that at some point in the series, Henry will be faced with the choice of whether to use magic. Will he give in to the temptation of magical power, or will he take a step back, see what magic has done to Regina, Rumpel, and others, and realize that magic should be avoided? It would be interesting to see something like that play out in the show. Great thought there, Hannah. That, that could be an odd turn. What if Henry goes evil with uh, magic? Hmm. I don't think he'll go evil. Or, or gets into magic. I think in he might way. get into magic, but it would be cool if he learned how to use it for good. Yeah. Because, you know, his mom's giving him a good example of using magic only for good now. Mm -hmm. So thank you very much, Hannah. And she said, um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Great job with the podcast. Thank you, Hannah97, for sending that in. And listeners, we'd love to have your feedback on Once Upon a Time. And if you want to comment on the things that we talked about in this episode, then go to oncepodcast.com slash 66, scroll down to the bottom of the page, and there's the comments section there. And we'd love to hear what you think about what we shared here in the podcast. Or you can also go in the forums at oncepodcast.com slash forums. And then this Sunday, when the episode airs on TV, send us your feedback, your thoughts and theories about the episode. You can call 903-231-2221 and leave a voicemail there. Or email feedback at oncepodcast.com with your written or recorded feedback and uh, your theories and such. Or you can go to oncepodcast.com and click on the send a voice message tab over on the right side and record a message right from your computer. I'm trying to include as much feedback as I can in this, but as you can tell, it's very difficult. We receive so much feedback and so good. And some of it is about this episode some is about past episodes but we might have a really cool podcast episode coming up in the near future so make sure that you check out uh, our live show this sunday when we have our live initial reactions and join us for the live chat room if you are in the eastern and central time and check out all the other past podcast episodes and blog posts and screenshots and everything over at oncepodcast.com and screenshots and show notes i mean for this episode We'll be at oncepodcast.com slash 66. Please follow us all on Twitter. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at oncepodcast. And I'm Daniel J. Lewis. You can follow me at twitter.com slash the ramen noodle. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. You can follow me on Twitter as Fleegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. And I'm Jenny. And you can follow me at twitter.com slash Jenny Snook. 
So big thanks for being a part of our community. Be sure that you go to oncepodcast.com and subscribe if you're not already subscribed. And remember to stick around for some spoilers after the music if you'd like to hear those or stop this, the podcast after music if you don't. So until next time, remember, I say this with the utmost sincerity. Good luck and thanks for listening. <laughs> Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our podcast to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to our sponsors for this week's episode of Once Podcast. If you'd like to sponsor an episode, please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. And now for the special spoilers segment from Hunter. Hi, I'm Hunter Hathaway for the Once Podcast, and I hope you're ready for some spoilers. Season 2, Episode 9, Queen of Hearts, will air this Sunday and is written by Edward Kitsis and Adam Horowitz, directed by Ralph Hemmecker. In current fairy tale time, Captain Hook and Cora team up against Emma, Mary Margaret, Mulan, and Aurora over a fight to gain the compass. The compass will point the way to the portal that will bring them back to Storybrooke. Looks like Hook and Cora found a way to open the portal, but will they succeed on getting through? Back in Storybrooke, Regina and Mr. Gold have set a trap in fear of Cora crossing over. Looks like the well is the portal, and the trap will kill anyone who tries to cross, even if it's Emma and Mary Margaret. In past fairy tale land, Captain Hook travels to Wonderland and meets up with a vengeful Queen of Hearts. We have a lot of casting news for this week. Looks like the role of Gerhardt has been cast by Chad Michael Collins. Gerhardt is the younger brother of Dr. Frankenstein and will make his appearance in episode 12. Collins has most recently appeared in Last Resort, Major Crimes, Two Broke Girls, and Ringer. Casting is underway for Arlo, who is said to be in his late 30s to early 40s. He's very large in height and weight with an air of authority. He is both wise and imposing. Could we be seeing a return of the giants? Is Prince Philip returning? I'm not too sure on this, but a photo appeared on the Twitter page of Jamie Chung, who plays Mulan, of her and Jillian Morris on November 13th. Looks like they are on a plane. Like I said, it could be nothing, but we did learn last week from Cora that Prince Philip is technically not dead, but his soul is in another place. Big things for episode 15, we get to meet Katarina. She captures the affection of all those who meet her, thanks to her pure spirit and kind heart. No matter their place in society, she treats everyone with dignity and respect. Oh, and she is super close with her family. Is the Little Mermaid coming to Once Upon a Time? According to wetpaint.com, they say she will be making an appearance soon, most likely after the new year. But I've yet to find anything else on this. I've also seen that they may be casting someone named Jack, maybe from Jack and the Beanstalk, and they are also looking for Aladdin and Jafar. Our favorite cricket, played by Raphael Sabraj, has been quoted saying that there are some pretty big explosive things coming for Archie, and it's pretty dramatic. It is the winter finale, so no new episodes till after the new year, but titles for the next two episodes have been announced. Episode 10 will be the cricket game, and episode 11 is The Outsider. Don't forget, you can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash bit of pixie dust. 
Enjoy this episode, and I'll be back with all your spoilers after the new year. Thank you.